Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hello, it's Haley Williams here, and this is episode 19 of Kindled. Today I'm talking with my guest, Amy Reinecke. Amy lives in Kansas City, where I live, and actually discovered my podcast. And then I started following her and learned more about her story and asked her to come on the show. And she was gracious enough to come to my house and record with me in my office. So that was really fun. Amy has a blog called Beautifully Broken Journey, where she shares her journey from battling an eating disorder to losing more than 100 pounds and what her journey looks like today, even as she's maintaining her weight loss and seeking to live a life of transparency and vulnerability by sharing her story with others and really reaching women wherever they're at on their journeys. So I really saw a alignment between Amy's message and journey on her account and what she talks about and something that I know that every woman deals with this issue of self-image and um, worthiness and how we fuel our bodies. And these things become, they're hard no matter what, but they can become even more complicated when you add kids and family and work and job and life onto that pile of things that you're trying to balance and do well. So that's probably all the explanation that you need to understand why I felt Amy's story would be relevant for you today as a mom or as someone who has a job and is juggling a lot of hats. I think there's going to be a lot of nuggets in here for you. So here you go. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today for Kindled. Um, Can you tell everybody who you are a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Amy and I am the blogger behind Beautifully Broken Journey, and I kind of started on Instagram about two and a half years ago when I decided to make a forever change with my weight. And basically what happened was um, I've always struggled with my weight, but in 2015, I was pregnant with my second son, and I had had debilitating back pain the entire pregnancy. And it was something that when I had him, I thought it would go away. And I was at my six-week appointment, and I still had horrible back pain. And so I told my doctor, I think it's finally time that we look into this and see what's going on. Long story short, when my second son was uh, 12 weeks old, I had to have back surgery. Mm -hmm. And so that meant I couldn't take care of my kids for 
I mean, I could take care of my kids, but I couldn't bend, lift, or twist. I couldn't carry my kids. I couldn't lift over 10 pounds um, for four months. So it put me in an interesting situation as a person who always found fault in her body and what it could do and what it was to have that basically kind of taken away from me. And it wouldn't, it wasn't working the way that it always had. I, um, during the pregnancy, the pain was just unreal. I'd never been in pain like that before, but then, so having that pain gone, but then not being able to use my body, um, gave me a, it gave me an appreciation that I didn't realize that I actually needed for mm-hmm. it. So that happened in August of 2015 is when I had surgery and I began my weight loss journey in November of 2015. And this time it was different. I had started, you know, I had started a weight loss journey so many different times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this time it was different. This time it wasn't about the number on the scale. It wasn't about the way I looked, but it was about the way I felt. And it was Mm -hmm. about the mom I wanted to be. And I think just that shift in my mindset that this is about so much more than just the vanity that it always had been about. Mm -hmm. This was about being a mom who could run and play with her kids without being in pain. And this is about a mom who um, didn't need the seatbelt extender on an airplane or Mm -hmm. couldn't fit in a ride at an amusement park, um, things like that. It was also about the mom who was really, really tired of letting food control her mm-hmm. and being on and off a diet. I, the first time I went on a diet was in fourth grade mm-hmm. and, um, I struggled with food and body image up until, I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman, so I still struggle with that stuff sometimes, sure. but, um, I'd struggled with it my entire life and I was just ready to really once and for all, you know, beat this demon that had forever kind of controlled me. And so I began just sharing my journey on Instagram. I joined Weight Watchers in November of that year, 2015. And somebody in my meeting had said, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of people on Instagram who share about Weight Watchers. And I didn't, you know, I was on Instagram, but not I didn't really use it much at that time. And I, so I got on and just found this huge community of um, inspiring people who have made such a difference in my journey and it's grown and evolved since then. But when I started, it was just to share my journey. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would turn to into anything other than that. And, um, over the last two and a half years, um, I've shared my journey on Instagram and really, um, embraced all that that's been. So I, um, have a history with binge eating disorder. I've been in eating disorder therapy, um, two different times And so I've had the opportunity to be really open with my followers about that. And I find when you can share your truth, it's amazing um, the people that you can kind of set free along the way. And that has been so encouraging to me. And it's honestly helped me in my own recovery to be able to just be honest about who I am and my struggles Mm -hmm. and share that with people and um, leave behind any guilt or shame that the many years that food controlled me. And the way that I treated my body, Mm -hmm. kind of leave that behind. And so then last year, so in 2017, I decided to branch away from just Instagram and started my own blog. And that's been a really exciting 
thing for me to have my own space that's mine and share um, different ways that I can inspire women Mm -hmm. to have healthy families and have a healthy mindset with um, recipes. And it's not so much about, you know, calories, but it's more about just treating our bodies well Mm -hmm. and what that looks like and um, with movement and food and things like that. So it's been really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So you're you are inspiring a lot of people. You have a lot of people on Instagram following your story mm-hmm. and um talk about like what that's been like since you said you had a lot of times where you kind of had false starts of trying to start this, you know, this journey that you knew you wanted to go on but kind of kept running up against. How why was this one different? So, I feel like this time was different because like I said, so the first time I went on a diet was 4th grade. So that was the first time that I can remember sitting in my canopy bed and talking to my mom and telling her, I don't look like the other girls Mm -hmm. and I want to do something about it. And at that time, you know, they didn't really talk about diet culture and what that does to a girl and Mm -hmm. um, the messages that that sends, sends young girls by saying, you know, you need to lose weight or your body should look like this. And so I spent from fourth grade on kind of feeling like it was just never good enough. And I never Mm -hmm. looked like my friends. Um, I'm a bigger built girl. I'm never going to be a size two. Like Mm -hmm. my bones are just bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And so I, but I had that expectation that that's what I needed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think I was reaching for that so many different times. And um, back in 2008 was when I finally realized that I had binge eating disorder Mm -hmm. Before then, I would do kind of, I'd done like every diet known to man, you know, just, I'd done everything, Mm -hmm. detox, cleanse, whatever, um, anything just to get weight off fast. And then as soon as I would go off the diet, it would come right back, as so many people are familiar with, because I had treated it like a diet. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I went to therapy in 2008, I, for the first time, was dealing with my mind And that was something I'd never dealt with before, really. I didn't realize how much of a game changer that portion of it was. Um, I went into a deep depression, actually, in therapy and gained 100 pounds in a year. Mm. Heaviest I'd ever been. And uh, it just... I almost lost my marriage. Um, We'd been married only a couple years. And he just saw me change in a way that he didn't really know how to deal with. It wasn't that he didn't love me anymore, but he's like, I don't, like, you're not the same person. Mm -hmm. But um, I think depression can do that to people. Um, So thankfully, God brought us out of that um, in a really kind of miraculous way. Uh, I... I can remember him asking me to go to a different church because we were not active in church at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both raised Catholic, but had kind of left the church and but weren't going anywhere. And he had a coworker who was Christian who he witnessed um, their marriage. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember him saying to me, I want to have a marriage like, like that, you know, mm-hmm. that we we talk to each other the way that they do and that, and we don't have that. And I was really resistant to that. I had my ideas of what church looked like and I was, um, 
done with that kind yeah. of, I didn't, I didn't want that in my life. And, um, one mo- morning I woke up and early and just had this like overwhelming sense that you need to go to this church that he's been asking you to go to. Mm-hmm. And so I went and woke him up. We had about 20 minutes to get there <laughs> and, um, he almost fell out of bed. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And, um, <laughs> I said, okay, I, I'll go with you today. And he does not get out of bed easily. And he like, okay. And he shot out of bed and we went and, um, I walked in that church that day and the first drum of the guitar, it was like this sense of peace that, um, God had totally crafted this Mm. and I was supposed to be there that day. And, um, I was saved that day. Wow. And I can remember it vividly. And our marriage has never been the same since. It's not to say that we don't have troubles because every marriage has trouble. Mm -hmm. But I think that was the start of this shift. And so Mm -hmm. that's why this is lifelong. Um, That was 10 years ago. Wow. And um, so we had to go through quite a bit in that to figure out who we now were, um, making God the center of our marriage and what that looked like for us. Yeah. But it also was for me, um, it was a, it was a greater sense of, you know, why has God led me here with my body and with my weight and what does that look like? And so over the last 10 years, I've really, um, leaned into him more than I ever have. And I would say, um, when I ended up having to have back surgery, um, that day is a day that I'll never forget. Um, when I got that phone call, my doctor had told me that she didn't think I would need surgery. Mm -hmm. She said like some crazy number, like 90% of people with back pain never need surgery. And I was like, Oh, that's fine. Then I'll just go ahead and get that MRI and we'll just rule out surgery, you know? Mm -hmm. And they called right away and said, you need surgery, surgery immediately. Wow. And you know, I'm looking at my infant son and my three-year-old at the time and wondering how in the world I am, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And, um, a little sense of why, why is this happening to me? Like, why has my body had to go through so much? Yeah. At this point, I'd um, been at my highest weight, which um, I was five, I'm five foot four. And my highest weight on three different occasions has been 258 pounds. Um, it's like my body's set point. Like, I'm not going to let you go any higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my body had done that twice. And it was... No, my body had done that three times. Mm. My body had gotten to that high weight three times at that point. Mm -hmm. And so it was just this realization now. I was standing there um, at that weight knowing that I was going to have to now be recovering from back surgery and a C-section and having two little boys at home to take care of. And how was I going to do this? I'm a stay-at-home mom. And so my kids didn't go to daycare. And like, what does this look like for our family? Yeah. And, um, I felt really sorry for myself. It was the darkest time. One of the darkest times in my life for sure. But in that brokenness is where I found, um, his story was, um, weaving hope and that he brought me to that place because he knew that the body that I had hated for so long deserved his love and his grace And the only way that I was going to listen to him was if he literally broke it. Mm. And that's what he did. And, um, 
that was the start of the change this time. So when I walked through the doors of Weight Watchers in November of 2015, it was different because it, like I said, it wasn't about vanity. It wasn't about that. It was about this, this body that I've mistreated and hated for so long. And it was time to make peace with it. And it was time to treat it the way it wanted to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we tell ourselves, you know, my body wants ice cream and it wants all these things that don't make it actually feel good. Mm-hmm. I told myself that for a long time. Well, I deserve that for these reasons. Yep. You know, I've had a hard day, so I deserve this giant bowl of ice cream. And by all means, we all deserve ice cream. I am sure. not getting going to tell anybody that they don't deserve ice cream. Sure. But when food serves as an emotional purpose versus mm-hmm. a nutritional one, then I think it can lead us down some um, scary roads. Mm-hmm. And we give it more power than it actually deserves. Right. And I did that for a really, really long time. Yeah. So. I hear a lot of like, I mean, I'm sure this is why a lot of people identify with you because we hear a lot of our own stories in your story and, you know, very familiar, like, um, you know, just seasons or thoughts or patterns even. I, early on when I was in, I think maybe middle school, high school, early high school, I think it was middle school. Like my parents were on the Atkins diet. And so, you know, with all the foods that were around and the special bars and the soybeans and all of that, I was like, Oh, I want to do this, you know? And, and I don't know that they encouraged me or discouraged me. They just, you know, it was like, like you said, that, that whole idea that diet culture and that that could actually have a negative effect on like young girls was maybe less talked about. And so it wasn't as aware. I would drink slim fast, you know, like all the time. I mean, in high school, just, I remember thinking like, this is the way to be healthy. This is the way to lose weight, which in high school, I didn't need to lose weight. Yeah. I I don't think any of us really did. I was running track and I was like super active and very fit. Like not at, I I don't know why I did that, but, um, but I, I hear a lot of like my own thoughts about myself and tendencies like to emotional eat and to deserve. And I'm very (laughs) treat oriented. That's Mm -hmm. totally my, like my vice. And even with my girls, like I, I have caught myself being like, we deserve a treat, you know? And, and it's like, okay, they're two and four. Sure. Like dessert is fine. Sure. Going to the bakery and getting, you know, we, we always go to the coffee shop. So I get coffee and they get like a cookie or something and Mm -hmm. split it. Stuff like that. It's like, it's not inherently in and of itself bad. Right. But when it becomes, like you're saying, an emotional release and, like, that's what you need to be happy. Right. Or that's how you experience love or peace or forgiveness or you're trying to, like, get those things through the food, which sounds so silly when you say it out loud. But I know for sure I do that and have done that. So you many know, do. So many times. And and that it's not a yeah it's not a like um a thought that you choose to have it's just that emotional experience right. that's happening for me it's often after my kids go to bed i'm sure a lot of people are this way uh-huh. and you're like finally that was such a hard day i'm so tired i'm so stressed i just need a chocolate chip cookie yeah. i just need a glass of wine mm-hmm. and the operative word there is probably need yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. it doesn't sound wrong but it can create patterns mm-hmm. I know in my own life that are not helpful right? and that are not healthy. And and one, um, I go to fusion fitness and one of the instructors there, I did like a, a eating plan with her one time. And she said, food is not love. Mm-hmm. Love is love. Yes. Food is not love. Yes. And I was like, that opened my eyes to the fact that I had been kind of 
treating food like it was love. Right. Right. Can you kind of speak to like what your journey has been like in, in uncovering those lies and like identifying those things in your own mind? So one of the, um, the tips that I was told in um, therapy was when you go to eat something, you need to ask yourself if it's um, for emotional hunger or physical hunger. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of times I didn't even recognize that I was doing it right away, but I would be feeling something, whether I was stressed or overwhelmed or whatever, and I would just, you know, reach for the pantry and whatever was in it. And it, mm-hmm. it was almost like I would kind of check out, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize what was happening. And um, so when I went to therapy, she, she suggested for me to just take a step back. And as I'm going to eat something, just ask myself, okay, am I serving a physical hunger or an emotional hunger? So do I want this because I'm actually physically hungry for it? Or do I want this because I'm emotionally hungry? Mm-hmm. And if I'm emotionally hungry, then food is never going to fill that void. Right. And I have to figure out a way to serve that emotional hunger. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was um, like making a list of what I can do instead if I'm feeling emotionally hungry. The top two things that I do is I either need to call a friend mm-hmm. and not even call a friend and be like, hey, so I'm standing in my pantry and I really <laughs> want to like eat everything inside right now. Right. Not even that, but maybe something else is on my mind. Maybe I did have a bad day with my kids, or maybe I'm arguing with my husband, or maybe I'm overwhelmed with finances. Like, Uh you know, it can be a number of different things. Um, Maybe I'm low on sleep. Yeah. It's just calling a friend and just kind of getting my mind off of it. Yeah. And having... Connecting with someone real. (laughs) Yes. Connecting with someone real, because that Oreo, it just does not serve (laughs) the same purpose as, like, a real-life human being. Yeah. Um... And the second thing for me is just to get outside when I can, mm-hmm. whether that's to go on a walk. A lot of times that will be really, really helpful for me. Even if I can literally do like one lap around mm-hmm. the neighborhood just to clear my mind yeah, or just getting outside with my kids mm-hmm. and away from the kitchen and away from that, helps that thing. Yes. Yeah. That is kind of pulling me in. Mm-hmm. Um, that, those are my top two things that I have to do for myself mm-hmm. to kind of remind myself that food isn't love. It, I, it's hard because so many people do think food is love and, and it is in a way, as long as it's not being used in a punishing way. Mm. So I, Oh, you mean like to feed your body is yes. loving. Right. Okay. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like, and I, and I hope like, no, yeah, I yeah. Don't. Cause I, I could see how somebody who does struggle with an eating disorder, like even anorexia might yes. hear that and go, but for me, food is love. Yeah. Because I need to feed my body. Right. So that's not what I'm saying. No, it's yeah, more I like totally... for me, my tendency has been to to use food as that emotional as fuel. As a treat and as a, yes. Rather than to fuel my body. So, yes. yeah. That's, thanks yeah. for making that clarification. Yeah. So I think that that's, you know, that's a tricky, it's tricky to have that mm-hmm. um, understanding because when I sat down... She's like, I need you to listen to your body and actually feel hunger. And I had no idea what she was talking about. Like, Mm. I'd never let myself get too Mm -hmm. hungry Mm -hmm. because I had been cheating. So Mm -hmm. I would, let me, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Because what would happen was I would binge and restrict because I'd never paid any attention to how my body felt. Mm -hmm. I was either hungry or I was so full that I had to unbutton my pants and it was really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time, the way that I worked, like in college, was I would binge heavily, usually in secret. I mean, I never would binge in front of others. Mm-hmm. 
And um, a lot of times it was in my car. But then what I would do um, was in front of everybody, you know, they thought I was super healthy and um, had a pretty good relationship with food probably. But I was also, an, I taught aerobics and yoga in, in college and my degree was in health promotion. So mm. I was learning all of this stuff, but wasn't really applying it to myself. And I think that that's, I think for me looking back, that was the shame in it that I didn't really understand how cruel I was treating my body at the time, mm-hmm. but I had this idea of what it was supposed to look like and what it was supposed to be. And so I would do anything just to get it there. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all of that, I mean, my mind was just crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I had such poor self-talk and that is something that I know, um, made my friends feel uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable when mm-hmm. you're around a friend and she's like, my butt's huge, or I hate my legs, or, mm-hmm. I mean, what do we say? What do we say to a friend like that? You know, we it's uncomfortable. Know. We don't know what to say. And we're like, okay, stop fishing for compliments. Like you're beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so hard. Yeah. But I think when, when we're saying that, or you hear someone say that, like they are, they're, they need something. Yeah. They need yeah. that love because they're not finding it within themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was ridiculous about it. Um, this is something I actually haven't um, talked about yet, but I went back to my um, sorority house for our hundred year. And we had these scrapbooks that we made every year and I was sifting through them and I got to my page and what I found on that page, um, I was actually in a room full of some other girls and I flipped to the page, opened it up and I saw a picture of myself and then cut out in magazine clippings. I had written out, Hey Amy, how about that freshman 15? And it was this, um, I immediately burst into tears. Mm. This was just not even a year ago. And it was the realization for me. I felt like I was looking at my 19 year old self and seeing how much pain and hatred she had for herself. So you had done that. I had done that. Um. I had done that. And this scrapbook was for like incoming girls to look at as like, this is what we do for events and such. And like, that's Mm -hmm. what I chose to put on my page. Mm -hmm. And I still, it's like, wow, you were so broken at that point. And just mm-hmm. had absolutely no self-love whatsoever. Like, you probably would have never talked to anybody that way. No, I would have never said that to, to my your... friends. Yeah. Ever. Right. Ever, ever. But we treat ourselves so much worse yes. than we treat other people. Absolutely. We're so much harder on ourselves. Oh, yeah. And I always have been. I've mm-hmm. always been that way. I'm, you know, and I think a lot of us are like that. We're really quick to encourage a friend. But then in the silence of our own hearts, we're saying, I hate my legs and I hate the way I look and why am I not as thin as she is mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And, um, that's definitely what I was doing. But that day was just the reminder of this is how deeply rooted this hatred was for mm-hmm. so long that you did this so publicly. I mean, you, and probably didn't feel like any guilt about it or any no. wrong. You were like, this is what I deserve. Oh, probably. Yeah. Absolutely. Like this, this is like, I've earned this Absolutely. and I'm going to do it to myself. I was in a really, um, I was not in a good relationship in college. Mm-hmm. I was with somebody who, um, 
definitely fueled that a little bit, mm. uh, fueled the self-hatred and the self-doubt and um, wasn't very kind mm. um, in the same regard. I wasn't very kind to him either. Yeah. Um, it was just a bad relationship in general. And so I think that that definitely fueled that hatred. Mm-hmm. And it was at a time that I was figuring out who I was mm-hmm. and I didn't have somebody who was pouring, you know, positive truth into my life at that point about my body or my self-worth. Right. And, um, so that's taken some time for me to overcome, um, a lot of that, but I'm now at 35 and married and all of that. I'm really thankful for that because it taught me so much about how important that time is for mm-hmm. girls and how, Girls at that age need positive people pouring into them, mm-hmm. and that is so crucial. I mean, that is that is such a crucial time. I mean, we leave the house and we go to college, and I mean, whoever wants to tell us who we are at that point, we're so impressionable yeah. at that yeah. age. And I, like I said earlier, I've never looked exactly like my friends, you know? I've mm-hmm. always had the bigger thighs and the bigger rear and that, you know? And that's mm-hmm. just been me. That's never going to go away. But it took me a long time to just say, this is who you are and that's okay. Yeah. Now at 35, my butt is not going anywhere. I'm like, I can do whatever I want. Like, that's just how God built me and that's fine. It's- right. So at this point of the show, I have a bit of a bittersweet announcement. I'm taking a one month break. The reason is that I'm about to begin eight weeks of live coaching with the pilot members of the course that I have created. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that this is something that I'm super excited about and I'm just so pumped to help women grow their business. And I want to give them my full and undivided attention for their first month of coaching and just really wanted to see what that will look like while continuing to run my own businesses and be present for my kids and family this summer. And it just really felt like the right thing to take a a short intermission from the podcast so I can have a little more space to breathe and um, give them what they deserve with their businesses. So on that note, I have one more announcement. Currently, there are eight members in the group coaching course, and I had planned to cap it at 10. So I've got two spots left. If you want in and you think this is something that would really help you with your business, let me tell you a little more. But basically what we'll be doing is I'll be taking these women with real businesses through the exact framework I have used to grow my first two businesses from zero to 60K a year while staying home with my two young kids. And I'll be teaching this group of female entrepreneurs how to set up and implement systems in their businesses that automatically generate leads for their business that convert into customers while they sleep. I'll also be sharing the templates I've used in my own business to secure multi-thousand dollar service contracts as well as get my products into stores across the country. So most importantly, these women will walk away with the, from the course in eight weeks with everything in place they need to confidently run and grow their business. Everything from pricing to marketing message to knowing who their audience is to knowing what their niche is to having a website. If that sounds like something that would really help you um, up level where you're at in your business, I want to invite you to schedule a call with me. It's a 15 minute discovery call. We can chat about if this would be a good fit for you. Um, and you can do that by booking a call at hayleywilliams.co slash book. And like I said, we're going to be starting June 5th. So this episode's coming out on May 28th. 
I'm going to say we have through May 31st for you to make that decision. So that's Thursday. If you want to book a call with me and find out more, please do so at hayleywilliams.co slash book. Now back to the show. Like I can do whatever I want. Like that's just how God built me and that's fine. It's right. Why it's okay. We, like, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy though how those, those stereotypes and those ideals that I don't know where we get the idea that that's the ideal. I don't, you know, I mean, I do and I don't. Like, media tells us, magazines tell us, company, advertising, branding, yeah. all that I know. But it's like, I don't, we're, we've just been so susceptible and it's so not, that wasn't taught to me when I was in those formative years. Right. And so maybe that's why that I kind of just like, at those years where you're deciding what it's okay to look like and what it's not okay to look like. Right. You know, if yes. you're not reaching people with the truth, then it's much harder later to undo those lies mm-hmm. and to really like untell your brain, like, no, you don't only have to be a size four or you don't only have to be a size six or eight, like, or 10. It's, right. it's not what, it's not any of those things. Right. The number is not the point. It's the actual, how, how you're treating your body and are you loving yourself by taking care of yourself? Yes. And are you your perfect size, which whatever that is, it's the size at which you're loving yourself and feeding yourself well and taking care of your body. Yes. And that and yes. that that's going to be different for everybody. It is totally But we just be have a really hard time accepting that. Yeah. I mean, even I still do. Like as I was at Target yesterday shopping for shorts and I tried on shorts and they were a size that I didn't want to buy. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't get them. Yeah. Cuz I was like no, I think I just want to, you know, lose 10 more pounds and then I'll buy these. Yes. You know? like, oh my gosh. We've all been guilty of that. Like I was just like, I don't want to own a size of, I don't want to own that size. Yeah. So I'm just not going to. Yeah. Which it's like, how stupid. I mean, I, that's just stupid. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. But I don't but know it, how to But you're like, not the only one who has yeah. ever struggled with that. Right. Like one of the things, so when I was the heaviest I was, I can remember walking in to Lane Bryant for the first time mm. and um, walking through those doors and feeling like, wow, you have really let yourself go this time. Mm. And and I hadn't really shifted that mindset mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was finally, you know, after being that size for a while, I just had to say, you know what, this is the size that you are. So you may as well dress it. Like mm-hmm. dress, you need to find clothes that aren't sweatpants and isn't a t-shirt mm-hmm. and just have some clothes that you can actually feel put together. Like you're put yeah. together. Yeah. And that, I don't even remember who told me to do that. Like you just need to go find some clothes that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't feel good, like you putting on sweatpants and t-shirts is not making you feel any better. Right. And so I had to do that and I had to just embrace that for that time in my life that that's what that looked like because I knew I was figuring it all out in my head and do that. Do you feel like that helped you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I'll be honest, I live in leggings most of the time now yeah. still, but practically as a mom. It yes. Sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty much in leggings all the time, right. but I feel like it's different now than it was then. Mm-hmm. Then it was more, this is my only option. This is my only option. Yeah. Um, I feel awful. And so I'm going to be in sweatpants mm-hmm. and, um, it just, yeah, yeah, it was a different mindset than it yeah. is now. 
Yeah. Leggings were also not as popular back then, you know? I can remember, like, when leggings came out and it was, like, a big deal. So this is is, uh, pre-leggings. Right. Um, Pre-Lulu. Yes. Yes. Generation. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, But I did. I think that you have to learn to kind of look away from the size Mm -hmm. and just say, do I feel good in this? Right. If I didn't know what that size was... What I feel good about the way I looked in these. Right. And that might be no. I like that. That might be no. Mm -hmm. But I think we also have to remind ourselves what we see is most of the time not what other people see. Yeah. We're really hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think trying to shift out of that is difficult, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, for me, it's been um, talking to my husband about it. And saying, this is what I feel about the way that I look right now. Um, obviously, I've been pregnant and had two C-sections. And mm-hmm. so my body's different than it was. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean. And it's not going back. It's but mine not, is not going, going back, back. All the way. No. Ever. No. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. And it's, you know, there are days that I look at my body and the way it is now. And, um, you know, gaining and losing weight several times and being pregnant mm-hmm. several times. Um it is different. Yeah. But my body has done an amazing thing. Yeah. By giving me two humans mm-hmm. to love and enjoy and nurture and raise. And for that, like, I will deal with a kangaroo pouch. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, um, yeah. I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, losing 100 pounds now, I've, I have loose skin. Yeah. And, that can be hard too mm. because I feel like I've grown so far from where I was and the hatred and all of that that now it's like I just want to leave it in the past and I, I just want to forget that it ever happened. Mm. But I think that the loose skin is almost God's reminder of, hey, look where I bought, brought you from. Yeah. And um, this is just part of your journey and this is mm-hmm. part of your story. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I changed my Instagram name, which is now my blog name as well to beautifully broken journey, it was kind of a declaration for myself Mm -hmm. to look at this journey. Cause when I look back and I share my story, it does feel really, really broken sometimes. Yeah. But I can look back and see God's hand in every single piece of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful part. That I know that my hard times are not over. I know that there is more on the horizon that is going to try to break me and um, could bring me to my knees because that's just life. I mean, none of us are going to get, you know, through here without pain or um, times that that try us to the point that we think that we're going to break. But um, I think that having so many times now that I can look back on and say, I know that his hand is in this and that there's a purpose and there's a purpose in my pain, it, it makes it easier when the dark days come. I think that's something that I really appreciate about how you have shared your story is that, you know, even in the name beautifully broken journey, there's this idea that, um, it is broken, but it's, not just beautiful in spite of that, but it's beautiful because of that, yeah. because of the brokenness, because of what you've walked and what you've lived through, like you said, like, and what you've, what your body's accomplished, what you've accomplished as a person, mm-hmm. not just a body, but a soul, you know, yeah. more importantly yeah. than, than any of our bodies is our souls. And I think like what God's brought you through 
you know, even like using your body as a means for, um, like growing you and sanctifying you and making you more like him and like bringing, bringing your mind into more of the mind of Christ, like is really, really awesome. And I think that we often just get so caught up as humans, as women, all of us in, you know, what we see and we kind of think what we see is what we get. And this is, you know, this is what I have to show for it. Like, here I am, like here, this is as good as I can be and do. And that is just not true. No. Um, there is so much more beauty to be found in the brokenness of our stories than there is in just like what you see. Absolutely. Like today here in the mirror, in this, you know, whatever it is, what, whatever you see in your life, whether it's your house or your kids, like yep. there's, there's way more there beneath the surface that is, yeah, that is creating the beauty of your life. You yes. Know? It's little seeds along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, if I wouldn't have had that broken relationship years ago, I would have never appreciated my husband the way that I do. Yeah. Um, ever. I, I probably wouldn't even have looked his way. Right. But I'd been in a relationship that wasn't good and I appreciate him so much. That like, is really interesting. I've never thought about that that way either. Cause I had a really bad relationship in college, high school and college as well. And I think that's true for me too. Like because of like how I was treated in that relationship when I met my husband, it was that much more about what? Yeah. Oh, like that's weird. Yes. You're so nice. Yes. <laughs> you know? Like you like yes. me. Yes. Wow. You actually want to spend time with me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you actually like me and you this don't. This so weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's awesome. I mean, yeah, it, it does redeem. It has know. taken me a really long time to get there. Yeah. But I, I don't never talk about that. that relationship much. Yeah. Um, at all, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's taken me a long time to get there with that. We were, we were actually engaged to be married and mm-hmm. we called off the wedding two months before. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that was just another example of just being, you know, you, you plan your life with somebody yeah. and then you turn around and it's your life as you have seen it and planned it mm-hmm. is gone. And yeah. what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. And, um, but gosh, I'm so thankful for it now. Yeah. Because right. my husband is not perfect. You know, nobody is, but I also don't expect him to be. Yeah. Um, I've realized that along the way. And, um, I just, if I could go back to, um, 21 year old Amy who hated herself and felt just broken and miserable and said, you have this man who is waiting for you. And he is going to love every part of you exactly as you are. Mm-hmm. Just just hold on. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. be ready. Um, yeah. You might not have believed her. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> you would have been like, yeah, have. right. Because we met and um, he proposed in seven months and five months later we were married. Oh. And that was 13 years ago. Wow. And so I... Uh, I think it is just this whole process. I think that back surgery was something that God did to kind of save, save my life is kind of a, that's kind Mm -hmm. of a big claim, but save my mind. You know, he, in that surgery helped me realize that all this stuff all along has made sense and that he's made it all good in his time, Mm -hmm. not in always in my time, Mm -hmm. but in his time, he has made it good. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. awesome. Um, so let's talk about what you do now to help women. I know you said you 
did you mention that you do Weight Watchers or do I just know that? Yes, okay. I do. I am a Weight Watcher member. Yes. Okay. So the reason I really like the freestyle program is because it's very intuitive, mm-hmm. which is what I learned in um, therapy for my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I went a really long time without um, quote unquote dieting um, when I was in therapy because the first thing they said to me was uh, diets cause disorders. Yeah. And so I really had to get my head in the right spot. So when I joined in November of 2015, um, because I had had to go back to therapy just a few years ago. So before I got pregnant with my second son, Mm -hmm. I was back in therapy for binge eating. And that was in 2014. And so I just said to myself, you can use this as a guideline, but you cannot use this as a punishment. Um, This is Mm -hmm. not a diet. Yeah. It just That's cannot good. be used in that that way. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I think that if you can have those boundaries with yourself, if you have emotional eating or binge eating issues, then I think that Weight Watchers is a great plan. Um, I went into it with that, that I was, at the end of the day, the points were going to be my guideline, but I was always going to listen to my body and I was not going to go to bed starving. I, I just wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to tell myself I couldn't have certain foods I was going to have a healthy relationship with food. Right. And that's what I've done the whole time. That's um, So you're given like a point value or a points target that you mm-hmm. have each day. And um, po- uh, points are assigned to foods and you stay within that mm-hmm. range. As you lose weight, then your points may go down some. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you hit goal or maintenance, then you get a couple points back um, in your daily target. But you're also given like weekly points to use that you can kind of sprinkle throughout Mm -hmm. your week as you wish. I have always used all of my weekly points. (laughs) And um, about a year and a half ago, yeah, I started using my fit points, which are just points that you use when um, exercise, or points that you earn when you exercise Mm -hmm. and such. So I can use those as well because my body was hungry for them. Mm -hmm. And when you start really amping up your fitness routine and working out a lot, then your body needs fuel. Right. And if you're starving, then your body's... We'll go into starvation mode. Yeah, yeah. and it's not going to lose weight anyways. Right. And um, the goal this time was obviously to lose weight because I, I needed to be healthier, mm-hmm. but it was also just to... I needed to lose weight for my back. Mm-hmm. So this is more of a health issue this time mm-hmm. than it ever had been. I had three different doctors say to me, if you don't get the weight off and keep it off, you are going to end up needing surgery again. Mm. And so that was pretty, that was an eye opener. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good motivation this time to say, you know, quit messing around, you know, like food doesn't need to be this important to you. Mm. I mean, you need food to fuel you, but you don't need as much food as you've been having to, um, serve all of its emotional. Right purposes that you're that you're using it for and we can do that like you know I think it's important to mention that we can do that with anything not just food yeah we can use anything in excess from what we need it for absolutely you know we can use relationships in excess of what they are supposed to be in our lives Mm -hmm. we can value our kids like you know higher than God and even our husbands like we can put things in the wrong place and we will always end up with like whatever that saying was, a disorder mm-hmm. of some sort, whether yeah. it's an eating disorder, a relationship disorder, an emotional disorder, a mental, I mean. Absolutely. Because I, the only thing that never changes is God. Yeah. 
He's the only thing that is constant. I mean, mm-hmm. our kids are going to grow up and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, food comes and goes. I mean, mm-hmm. as with health issues, I mean, we may discover at some point that, you know, we have high cholesterol or something mm-hmm. else. And so that's going to have to change, you know, mm-hmm. but the only constant in our lives is God. And, um, the only thing you can't get a disorder from yes, <laughs> having yes, too much of. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, which I, I think is like the point, like that's, he made it work that way so that we, that hunger and thirst that we have to be made whole and to be filled ultimately can only be perfectly satisfied by him. Absolutely. And the things of this world are not meant to fill that gap no. in our hearts and our souls. Like he gave them to us as gifts. Like food is a gift and amazing desserts are a gift. Like yes. I love amazing desserts. I love lattes. I love, I don't have a problem with any of those things, No. but they can't fill that place in my soul that is like thirsty and longing for God to like tell me that I'm, good and you know desired and like worthy and enough because of what christ has done yes like that's the key for me is like that has to be in place for me to rightly understand my relationship with food and with relationships and with other things and i also feel that god wants us to enjoy yes i feel like he wants us like if we really love the latte then get the latte yeah you don't totally. have to get the venti and you don't have to get it every day. Totally. So yeah. if you go to a wedding and you love wedding cake, please eat the wedding cake. Like yes. just eat it. And who cares? Like, yeah. You know, I think when we give food too much power, mm-hmm. that's when it starts to control. Right. And so when we can kind of take away its power and say, you can have that. Yeah. You know, quit telling yourself that you can't have it. Because the second we say we can't have it, what do we do? We, we want, want it. it. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, that's just, we and know And then you're going to go sneak it in the pantry while your kids are napping. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Or in my car or yeah. I think that, I think that we give food so much power and I think when we understand that those things are meant to be enjoyed, Mm -hmm. then enjoy them Mm -hmm. because he gave us those things for a reason. He doesn't want our time here on earth to be like hell, you know, like we should be enjoying our kids and the food that we eat and things like that and our husbands and our friendships and and all of those things. But like you said, it's all in moderation too. And I, I just, I'm a firm believer of that, especially in regards to food that, Mm -hmm. um, people will be like, Oh, do you not eat that anymore? It's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm human. I am totally human. And that's the reason I found success this time. Right. That doesn't feel like I'm on a diet is I I haven't given up anything I actually want. I'm not on a diet. I just change the way I live. Absolutely. Yeah. And I change the way I see food. Right. And um, I started to pay a lot more attention to how it actually makes me feel. And when you pay attention to the way the food that you're eating actually makes you feel, it's a lot easier to walk away from the Mm -hmm. dozen donuts Mm -hmm. because if you eat four donuts and you really sit there and think about the way you feel, I don't know anybody who feels great. No. After a lot of donuts. Donuts used to be my (laughs) binge food. My husband jokingly like will, after he does either eat, you know, let's say he has five slices of pizza and I'm like wow, like that, are you okay? Are you going to be all right? He's like, I feel like $1 million. <laughs> like, he totally, he totally is. I mean, maybe he really does. I doubt it though. <laughs> but, and along those lines of like, that God wants us to enjoy things. Um, my college roommate said something that I, has always stuck with me. And I think she was kind of joking when she said it, but we were like drinking coffee in the morning. We're in college. It was like a Saturday and we were just drinking coffee together on our couch. And she was like, 
mm, coffee helps me glorify God. <laughs> and I was just, I laughed and was like, that's funny. But it never left my mind because mm-hmm. I was like, but it really does. Like, coffee does help me glorify God. And, and, like, in the sense that it makes me appreciate, like, one, that I can be awake for my life. Yeah. And two, that, like, he made something like, you know, the coffee bean that can be ground up and yes. brewed and enjoyed and tastes good and all these things. Like, God didn't have to do that. No. He could have just made it like you have to eat this one thing like tofu to get full every day and you have five cubes of it and you're good. Yeah. He didn't do that. Like, no. He's a creative God and we can experience more of who he is more fully through his creation. Yes. So I think that's important and that's beautiful about yes. life. But yeah, I mean. We are su- we are supposed to enjoy. Yeah. I really believe that. I believe that um, we can't find all of our joy in that, but we can find joy in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So what would you say to the woman who's like, okay, everything you're saying, yes. Like, how do I make a change? Like, how do I actually make it stick this time? Like, if I know that I need to get healthier for my kids or for my body or whatever, for my life, um, like, what advice do you give people when they're like, how did you do it? And like, I've done this so many times, you know, Mm -hmm. what is different? What's going to be different this time? I think... My best advice is to find a strong why. Mm -hmm. So find that thing that lights you up inside. Um, That is not the size of your jeans. Mm -hmm. And that is not the number that you see when you look on the scale. So if that is the driving force to why you're wanting to lose weight, keep digging Mm -hmm. and find it. Um, When I began this time... My why was to take care of the body that God gave me because it wasn't being used the way that he intended. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I wanted to be the mom who could run around with her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when my son was three and I was pregnant and in that just debilitating pain and it was really the first time that I had ever had chronic pain that way. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't get on the floor and play with my son. I had to nap every afternoon. I mean, I was pregnant too, so I was tired. Yeah. But the pain was so numbing. Like, I just wanted to be numb for my life. And the extra weight, like walking up a flight of stairs was really hard, let alone like needing to carry my son or wanting to play soccer with him outside or wanting to go somewhere with him and have the energy to mm-hmm. do that. I, I had no energy to do any of those things mm-hmm. with him. And I had a really active three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And my husband has never had a weight issue. And he's always been very active um, in sports and things like that. And so I kind of felt like I didn't fit. I didn't belong in my family. Because mm-hmm. I was the only one who couldn't move. It, it hurt to move. It, it, it just... Did I want the number on the scale to go down? Absolutely. Um, But my main driving force was to be the mom that I knew I could be and to be the mom that I felt was kind of hidden inside underneath all of the shame, all the guilt, and all the extra weight. And I don't just mean physical weight. I mean emotional weight too. Mm -hmm. There is a lot that had to be lifted out. Um, And as I've shed the weight, I've also shed a lot of that shame. And so that's made me more open to talking about my journey 
which I think anytime that we can be more open with our journey, then we just help others and we become um, more relatable. Mm -hmm. And we also give people permission to be exactly who they are. And so in that, like I'm giving my kids permission to be exactly as they are and Mm -hmm. to have that conversation that, you know, the way that somebody looks doesn't matter. And that what we need to focus on is what's on, what's on the inside. Mm -hmm. And, um, so my, my advice is to find that why. And if you don't know, it might be something that you have to think on that you're not Mm going to come away with right away. Um, it was really clear to me though, because God brought me to that, that place of brokenness that, you know, I had to hire a nanny for four months to take care of my kids and I sat there and watched. Mm. And if that isn't an eye-opening experience to say, hey, can you bring my son in so I can change his diaper? Okay, I'm going to sit in the chair now. Can you hand him to me so I can rock him to bed? And then I would have to text her and say, can you come lay him in his bed? Mm. I could not do things that moms are supposed to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit back and watch her carry his carrier and watch her care for him in the way that I was supposed to. And I wasn't able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I try not to blame myself, but um, I do think that the weight contributed to that. Mm-hmm. And so to have that, to have this um, as a, as a woman, like you feel um, like we're moms. And so it was the one thing I felt like I was good at because mm-hmm. w- I've always been confident that I'm a good mom. Mm-hmm. And he, God even kind of took that away from me because I didn't feel like I could mother. Um, and so I just had to find that, um, appreciation for the gift of my body, no matter what it looked like, but then choose to treat it more, um, kindly than I ever had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I could be the mom that I always wanted to be. Yeah. That's really good. And I feel like at the same time, we should give voice to, you know, the woman who may be like hearing in your description of what your disorder looked like, that she also may have a disorder, you know, and that like, we need to recognize that for what it is and not just push people into, okay, well, here's how to change, like, go do this. But you had to do some real work. Like you had to, what, talk about what that, what you did, like, did you go to therapy and... Okay. So when I start, when I realized that I had an actual issue with binge eating, mm-hmm. um, I found a therapist, and so I went to therapy um, once a week, mm-hmm. and then we got to a point that then I decided to. Um, then she referred me to a dietitian, mm-hmm. and so I was going to therapy once a week and a di- dietitian once a week, and then I was seeing a psychiatrist once a mm-hmm. month. Um, I was on medication. I am not ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. I needed that at that point. Um, I was on actually three different medications Mm -hmm. to uh, help with my depression Mm -hmm. and my um, binge eating. And that is something that I'm thankful for today. And um, because I think without it, I would have lost my marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think if I just kept trying a new diet, I would still be where I was. Yeah. I, I do have a lot of people message me and um, say I'm really struggling. Mm. And I think I have binge eating. And so should I start Weight Watchers? And my answer to them is no, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that if you believe that you're struggling with an eating disorder, then you need to find help. 
um, more one-on-one help with a therapist that can offer you tips for your story and your journey. Um, And then I think if you get to a point that you feel good with food and it's what aligns with your journey and discussed with your therapist and all that, then I think Weight Watchers is a good option because no food is off limits. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that's, that's why I chose Weight Watchers because it, um, you can have anything, Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing's off limits. It's not like a diet that you have a list of foods that you can and can't eat because that just sets us right back into the restrictive lifestyle that it just feeds. I mean, my eating disorder just feeds on that. It feeds yeah. on restriction. So yeah. if I start to restrict that inner demon just goes crazy and wants yeah. to immediately start punishing with a binge. And so I just, I just don't do that anymore. But, mm-hmm. um, I was in therapy two different times. The first time I went was in 2008 and I was in for a couple years. And then my husband was going through a difficult time and I had gone to therapy with him and um, his therapist was asking me some questions. And after that specific appointment, he pulled me aside and said, I think that you need to go back into therapy for binge eating. Mm And that was really hard because he was going through his own stuff and then now I was too. And we had a young, young one at home and I mean, we just felt broken all over again, yeah. you know, but it's just that need that we, as we grow and age, like we never stop needing help mm-hmm. and to not be afraid to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did go back to therapy. I went to a different therapist cause we'd, um, since then moved to Kansas city. And so I found a new one here and, um, was able to get to a point that I finally like really got it, you know, mm-hmm. and then, then I got pregnant. Um, but I think that that all, I think I needed to go again mm-hmm. as kind of a refresher for everything I learned the first time. Yeah. And I'm not, to, I'm not going to say that I never will, won't end up in it again. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to tell myself that I've arrived and I'm here yes. and I'm perfect. And, yeah. um, that's just not true. Right. That's just And that's probably a dangerous spot to be for anyone who does have a struggle, which I think we all have struggles, but it's like, to what degree have you identified that you really need to attack it as a, as a lifelong, you know, like the same with alcoholics, you Mm -hmm. know, you never say like, I'm sober for life. Like you say, just for today, like enough for today. And it's like for today I'm sober. Like I'm sober right now. And, but that could be taken away tonight. Like that could, I can't act like I'm above it. No, no. So I hit, um, I reached my weight loss goal in December. And since then it's been this kind of weird, I don't know, transition from not losing weight anymore to like maintaining. Maintaining is something I've never done. Mm. I mean, I've always lost the weight and then turned right back around and put it all back on. Yeah. So to say that I don't have fear in that would be lying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I do deep down, like wonder, like, will I keep it off this time? Mm-hmm. I'm human and I have those fears and I'm scared about that. You know, right. I don't know what, what's ahead it's a of different, me. If it's a different mindset to be like, okay, I'm on the path to losing versus yes. I'm just going to maintain. Yes. And maintenance is. You can have a little bit more, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're not trying right. to lose. Being and a deficit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a change. It's a shift in mindset. And it's also a um, shift in belief. Mm-hmm. When I, I've always known how to lose weight. I've never known how to maintain. Mm-hmm. And that's my journey now is yeah. learning to maintain. 
and learning to forgive in that, that it hasn't looked exactly the way I thought it would. Um, and that, and this is why I think that number on the scale can't mean a ton. So I'm up from my goal that I had originally set, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to find that weight that my body just thrives at and that it's easy for me to maintain. And I can continue with my workouts that I love and I can eat foods that I enjoy without going overboard, but treating my body kindly. And so that's just a process in and of itself. And so what I will say is when you set a goal, don't be afraid if that goal needs to change Mm -hmm. and look different. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the season I'm in right now. I actually um, decided not to weigh on the scale this month at all. I've just stepped away from it because I was getting in my head a little bit about it and I'm starting to beat myself up a little Mm -hmm. bit that why am I not down there again? Like, why can I not be right back where I was? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're talking like anywhere from five to eight pounds. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's nothing that anybody else can even notice, but I notice. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you are giving that way too much power. Yeah. And so all I know to do in that situation is to take it away. Yeah. And so it, it's put away and on my scale in my bathroom is an index card over where I would see my weight and it says, trust me, God. Mm. And it's that reminder every day when I'm in my bathroom, like continue trusting. Like, are you moving your body the way that you love? Yes. Are you feeding it foods that make you feel good? Yes. Then that number doesn't matter anymore. Right. And, um, you know, that is different being on Weight Watchers because you do weigh. Mm-hmm. Um, you do go in and you weigh, I weigh once a week on a scale there, but I've just chosen not to look at the number mm-hmm. because what I find in those Weight Watcher meetings is the support. We don't sit around and talk about, you know, what everybody weighs and, you know, only what points are in foods. I mean, we talk a lot about this stuff, like mm-hmm. the emotional aspect behind it and what that looks like for a lot of people and being surrounded by other people who, need encouragement, need support, um, you know, food, food is just food to some people. Food is not just food to other people. And Mm -hmm. so being around those people that are kind of your people, you know, who understand, like it can be a struggle, you know, am I actually hungry or am I trying to serve that emotional, Mm -hmm. emotional need? Cause when Um, people don't get that, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't actually help you. Like you might sort of, you know, if you, if you're not around this, thinking about this ever, you might be like, well, maybe you just need to be around people who don't have that problem. And then you'll be, you know, it's, but it's the same thing. If you go back to like a a more familiar disease, like alcoholism, you don't just stick someone who struggles with alcoholism in a crowd of people who have never struggled and go, okay, thrive. Yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Like you need that support of people who understand and can speak your language and, and see where you're at. And yes, that might mean making new friendships yeah. along the way and, and being around people who do like have healthy habits and, and aren't, you know, that you're not going to be, be drugged down by, Right. but you need that support and Absolutely. that network of people who can say, you know, keep going. Yes. Yeah. That is something else I've learned along the way. Um, not everybody struggles the way I do. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks ago, I had um, a situation happen with a friend that made me realize that my journey is not for everybody. Mm. And not everybody cares to know about my journey yeah. and my life. Like, my journey is not for all of my friends. Right. Oh, that's really good. And that's okay. Yeah. But I had to come to that realization yeah. that, that that's okay. 
because then my journey's not for them. Yeah. It's it's for somebody else who I know it's right. helping. Right. So me being vulnerable might not be for the person who I consider a close friend. Mm-hmm. It might be for the person who lives five states away. Yeah. Who has no one in her life. Yeah. To understand her. And that is why um, when I started talking about binge eating disorder, that was my motive. Was mm-hmm. when I was in it and going through that struggle, um, no one understood me. Mm-hmm. No one. I had no one. I had my therapist. And anybody else was like, just don't eat. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what do you? what is binge eating? I don't understand. And I would say, like, it just has a lot of control over me. Or I just can't stop. And yeah. people didn't get it. And I had felt so alone. So yeah. alone. Because I didn't have anybody to come alongside me and take me by the arm and say, you know what? I got you. And mm-hmm. we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to help you through this. Yeah. Um, like, I had my mom. I had my husband. But it was different because they didn't necessarily understand. Yeah. You know, I needed somebody who'd been there and who'd been down right. that road. Right. To say, I get it. Like, I get it to know that you wake up in the morning and all you can think about are donuts. <laughs> and all morning long, you tell yourself, I'm not going to quick trip to grab the donuts. I'm not going there. And then you end up there and you get the donuts anyway. And then you eat them and then you beat yourself up for the rest of the day because you did. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been there. Yeah. And I didn't need for somebody just to say, well, just don't eat the donuts then. Yeah. I needed somebody to say, it's okay that you did. Like, you're not a bad person because you had the donuts, but can we talk about why you felt you needed them? Yeah. Like, what what was that about? Right. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I know this may feel like a bit of an abrupt ending, but for the rest of our interview, Amy and I chatted about how she's built her social media following. And because we're both talkers and are now at an hour, I decided to separate that and you'll be able to catch that conversation in a separate episode all about social media. Go check out Amy on Instagram at Beautifully Broken Journey and her blog at beautifullybrokenjourney.com. When you hear from me again in July, it will be talking with Kat Armstrong, a leader, speaker, and writer, and also the founder of Polished Ministries. I'm really excited to chat with Kat next week. So don't you worry. I'm still going to be creating content for you in the coming weeks. I just really want to be able to enjoy a little bit of this summer as well as focus on these women whose businesses I will be helping them grow. And don't forget, if you want to become one of those people, I'm going to allow two more people in. Uh, Give me a ring by booking a call at hayleywilliams.co slash book. Either way, I'd love to stay connected over the summer and forever for that matter. So you can find me on Instagram at Kindled Podcast where I am the most active and engaged because, you know, pretty photos and words just kind of speaks my language. Join me back here in a few weeks and have a beautiful month of June. Thanks, guys.